Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. It's Friday. Friday, as some of the younger folk like to call it. I've never heard that in my life. Friday. I think you're making it up. I think it's it's street vernacular. Street vernacular? It's from the hood. What streets? It, you wouldn't what understand. Hoods? Yeah. What hoods, though? Um, like Beverly Hills and South no. Orange County. Yeah. Newport. No. Those hills? No. Just the hoods. <laughs> Friday. No, no particular hoods. No particular hoods. Some hoods, for sure. Yeah. Because like you're excited. Yay. It's Friday. I understand. You I get understand. it. No, I, I don't do. think you do because I think you'd be more excited about this. I love all days for different reasons. Really? Yeah. Friday has its own appeal. And I, I like, you know, we go and get coffee typically on Fridays. You and I, we talk about church and stuff. We do. So that's one of my highlights on Fridays. And I think, I think Saturday I like for different reasons. Sunday I love for obvious reasons. Like every day has its own appeal. I, I think I used to really love Fridays because I hated the week. Like <laughs> I never liked what I was doing in the middle of the week. That's fair. Now I love what I'm doing. So every day has its own appeal. That's fair. It, it's, it's different with this whole church plant process because I feel like there's such a buildup to Sunday for us because there's so much involved. It's not just, you know, in, when we were in California at that church, so much of it was already taken care of. Like you showed up on the weekend and you had a building and you had rooms and you had chairs and you <laughs> had, mass. yeah. And there's so much that goes into like the weekend and making church happen that it's kind of that, that pinnacle and it feels good. And then Sunday happens and then you go home and I don't know about you, but, <laughs> but Exhausted. I, I typically crash. I die. Yeah. And then Monday comes, I go right to bed actually after I get home. Yeah. I sleep till Monday. <laughs> yeah. And then Monday comes and initially it's like, okay. And then it's like, oh man, we got to do that again yeah. all week long. This the whole buildup. And compounded with adjusting to different things on the fly, like... Like Texas. Well, not it, so much we, that. Not so much that. <laughs> yeah, because this is your home turf. But just the other things that come at us that we're not expecting. I mean, I, every week holds different surprises as a church plant and we get to adjust on the fly. That's true. One of the things I love is that our, our people are so... I mean, the people that listen to our podcast are our people. Um, they work so hard to make that same weekend happen. Like for us, there's, there's definite pressures, you know, the, the worship and the preaching and all yep. the things that happen behind the scenes. But to have so many people that labor so much, I mean, not so not so much more diligently, but as diligently as we do, I suspect to make the weekend happen. That is, that is really cool. It's yeah. really fun to see God's people working together to reach toward a common goal. hundred percent. Yeah. I've been blown away by that. I, I knew that that would happen because everybody had ta- talked to us about that before we came out on this plant. Yeah. But then seeing it happen in person is humbling and just encouraging and it's awesome. Yeah. And, and a bit, uh, it's, it's scary in some ways because we're so dependent upon all you who are listening. Yeah, so don't go anywhere. So don't leave because if you do, then man, how's God going to do it without us? <laughs> <laughs> of course, he doesn't need any of us, but you get the idea. Well, hey, we're glad that you are, uh, are with us on the weekends. We're glad that you're with us this morning. And we are going to be in Proverbs chapters 28 and 29 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So let's dive into Proverbs chapter 28. And right off the bat, I think we learned that God doesn't really like running. I think he does like running. But he says here, the wicked flee when no one pursues. Is that not what we do when we go for a run? 
Yes. We're running. Are you running no from one's something? <laughs> are you running? What are you running from? I guess uh, obesity, perhaps. <laughs> right. Not fitting in the pants. Yeah, no, it's just a, a joke there. But the, the, the real principle at work here is the wick is running because he's not secure. He, he doesn't ever feel safe. He's always, there's a, a paranoia because he doesn't have the confidence and the security of integrity that the, the writer of Proverbs has been talking about in so many other passages that we've seen. So the wicked runs when no one pursues, but the righteous instead are as bold as a lion, even in the face of adversity. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Verse five, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. It brought me back to the idea, the concepts that were spouted from different commentators during during the, the time of COVID. Do you remember COVID when we were locked down in our houses and couldn't go vaguely, anywhere? Vaguely, vaguely. Remind me again. Well, yeah, it was, it was a little bit ago. Uh, but there was a concurrent movement in the culture called social justice. Mm-hmm. And the, the I don't even know how to refer to it in a politically correct way because I only know our vernacular. But there was this movement of people that were s- suggesting that we need to be woke. We need to understand what justice really is. And I think there was a kernel of truth in, in what they suggested. But I think there was also a great deal of misunderstanding. Um, there was even a couple of writers within the realm of Christianity that were suggesting that we needed to pay reparations to our black brothers and sisters right. who suffered under the hand of, of slave masters as though somehow we were culpable in 21st century 2023 America, which I think is a problem. So verse five reminds me that evil men don't understand justice because they don't understand God. Right. Those who are in Christ, those who know the word of God, those who love the God of justice can understand it in ways that they will never fully comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. 13 and 14, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And then this is connected to verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. It's a similar concept in both there. And that's what do we do with our sin? Do we confess it or do we harden our hearts? Do we try to conceal it? And the the confession comes from a, a proper fear of the Lord. We fear the Lord and we want to bring our sin into the light and expose it, confess it, repent from it, forsake it, as it says in this context, so that we can experience the forgiveness and the mercy of God therein. And so this is a good verse, parents, with your kids, just to remind them of the need to always be honest. Uh, we tell our kids all the time, look, we want you to be honest with us. It will always go better for you if you are honest with us than if you try to cover something up with us and we have to find out about it later. Right. So that's a, uh, a biblical principle there. I like that one. Verse 26 for me, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Um, interesting paradox. I think you're, you're, you're thinking about how not to trust your own mind mm. <laughs> and in doing so you're saying, okay, well, where, where's my grounding? Where's my foundation? I think that's the point. It's not to say, don't think it's saying, start with the foundation, what God provides. You can build your foundation upon the shifting sands of cultural pressure, cultural uh, ideas, cultural tides, but those are always going to change. And those shifting sands provide no sure foundation. Whereas the Christian who understands again, the word of God building on that foundation can walk and be delivered. Delivered from what? Well, delivered from a whole host of confusion, complexity. John 14, 6, even that. Jesus says, I am the truth. I'm the truth. Think about how much data we're exposed to on a day-to-day basis. And I mean, we have, I don't know, uh, we have 26 million years worth of reading. If you were to read everything on the internet, we're never going to get through that. Never going to get through that. Um, But thankfully, we don't have to. We can read the word of God and have a sure foundation to build upon. Whoever trusts in that foundation... That one's building their life upon the rock. Yeah. 26 million. Is that a legitimate statistic? Yeah. So I used that last night. Uh, well, Wednesday night, rather. I used it Wednesday night at during our- Because we're not our recording evening. on Thursday. 
We're not recording on Thursday. Nope. No, we're not. We've never do something like that. Yeah, I used it during a sermon last night for uh, for student ministry, and that was the thing. We, we have so much access to information, but yeah. what we need is wisdom, and we need to know what's the truth. Yeah. Let's cut straight to it, get to the Word of God. Wow. Wow. Hey, verse 27, right after that, whoever gives to the poor will not want. I think that's something that we probably under, undersell and underplay in Christianity, and in part because of what you were talking about earlier about social justice, and I think a, a, a pendulum swing against some of that is that we don't want to make the, the gospel, um, the social gospel. That is that we're here to try to make the world a better place for the poor and the oppressed and so forth and so on. That, that's not our job. That, that's not what's happening here. The world is not going to become a better over time. It's going to get worse until Christ comes back. But that that said, there's a biblical principle that we need to be generous people as believers. And we've talked about that before. It's that wisdom being wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Right. And uh, it's a hard balance to strike, but there is something that should cause us to say, I want to be generous because scripture commends those who are generous. Amen to that. Chapter 29. 29. How about the uh, the fool right off the bat in verse one? He who often is reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. This is the stubborn man. This is the man that is not listening uh, to reproof, is not listening to correction. And uh, it says he will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And there's a New Testament idea here that we talk about often that, that comes from Matthew 18. And that's church discipline. Church discipline is meant to to, to bring the person who has their neck stiffened, so to speak, the stubborn person into uh, conformity with God's will into into conformity with what the word calls them to, to, to see them forsake sin. Like we talked about in the last chapter and repent from their sin and be restored to fellowship. And I was reading something earlier today that talked about how church discipline is the, the warning shot across the bow for the future judgment that's going to come against those who refuse. And that's similar to, to what he's talking about here. If, if you reject continual reprovement, if you reject people that are continually pursuing you and calling you back to obedience and faithfulness and to repentance, man, then, then eventually there's going to be a breaking beyond healing, whether that's you die and you end up in eternity away from God or you're turned over here and now on this present earth. Yeah, I think about having like a callus. You have a callus. It's really hard to break the skin when you have a callus. When the skin is tender, you can you can you know, just kind of push it, put enough pressure on it and it begins to bleed. Um, we can callous our hearts such that we become impenetrable to the spirit in some ways, obviously never fully because he has the right of whatever he wants to do, but we can do that. And God, that means will by necessity have to come at us much more strongly. If that's us, then that can be Christians. I mean, let's just be honest yeah. here. That can be Christians. We, we can be so hardened against him that he has to work really hard. Not that he's work breaking a sweat, but he has to use more, uh, stronger means to get our attention. That's yeah. Hebrews 13. Because he's a father who loves us, he'll discipline us for our good. Speaking of discipline, can I throw a verse 15 at you again? Yeah, do Let's it. do verse 15 and 17. These seem to go together. Verse 15 says this, the rod, pastor rod and reproof give wisdom, <laughs> but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And verse 17 says, discipline your son, pastor PJ, and he will give you rest. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Josh, uh, Josh, during student minute. Okay, no, I'll, I'll say that story for later. Discipline your son, for <laughs> no, he will give I'm you rest. <laughs> he will give delight to your heart. So t- tell us about the, okay, well, what's verse 15 telling us? 
And how does verse 17 complement that? Yeah, verse 15 is saying that there's wisdom because it's not just about the physical, the corporal discipline. Shebet. Right. It's also about the instruction that comes along with that. And so that's what it's saying there. The rod and reproof give wisdom. You're supposed to instruct as you uh, discipline or, or on the heels of discipline. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother because he, he's going to do what he wants. And that's going to naturally incline itself towards the flesh. And the flesh is not going to produce a, a wise life. Why mom and not dad? Um, cultural, I think it, it, in, in the Hebrew culture, I think the Israelite family, the, the, the woman, as we're going to see in tomorrow's reading Proverbs 31, the, the woman was a, a key figure in the home. And I think that's probably what's being dealt with here. All right. On. Verse 17. Discipline your son, he will give you rest. In, in other words, as he gets older and grows older, you will not have to, to fear. You won't have to fret. You won't have to be anxious about the life that he's living because the discipline that you've instilled in him from a young age will begin mm-hmm. to bear fruit in his life. Yeah, sounds like we have to be consistent and faithful. I mean, we've seen this now several times with the Proverbs. Yes. Uh, Proverbs are strongly encouraging you to to discipline your children, not obviously only your sons, your sons and your daughters, um, but it's discipline and instruction. And you won't, you don't want one or the other. You want one and the other. Yeah. And to do so, verse 17, we're, we're looking at the long game here. We know that when they're adults, they'll be able to contribute to society and to the church in ways that they wouldn't otherwise apart from your discipline and instruction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about one more couplet here? Verse 11 and verse 20. Verse 11, a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And verse 20, do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Mm. There's a, a, an apocryphal gospel, a false gospel um, called the gospel of Thomas that depicts a story of Jesus as a young man uh, being bumped into by somebody else. And Jesus turns around and strikes the, the other person dead for bumping into him. That'd be the last time he does that. Yeah. This, or anyone else for that. This matter. is an example of why we don't believe the gospel of Thomas to be uh, scripture um, among many other reasons. But that's an example of a fool giving vent to his spirit, right? Oh I, man, there's so many more gems from the gospel of Thomas. Oh but, yeah. There, no, there's plenty, right? But maybe a modern day equivalent is you're cut off on the road. What's your response? Right, do you give, dead. Right. Do you give vent to your spirit in that moment or do you restrain yourself? Do you hold back? And that's what he is picking up on in verse 20, though the man hasty in his words, right? What flies out of your mouth or even in your thoughts, right? Mm. Because that's revealing your heart as well. The thought life, a man hasty in his words, there's more hope for him than a fool, uh, for, a f- uh, for a fool rather than for him. So um, just that admonition and encouragement, yeah, for us to be patient and, uh, and restrained. It's a strong warning. Self-control. Well, let's jump over to the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It's impossible for me now to hear the book of Corinthians and not think of one of our congregants. Corinthia. True. She's the only Corinthia I know. I don't, do you know any Corinthias? Uh, she's the only one. She's the only one. Uh, if w- I would take another one, though, then we could have 1 Corinthia and 2 Corinthia. <laughs> oh, mercy. We would need four total because there are probably four letters that are being referred to totally. True. Uh, two of them, obviously not inspired. So Corinthia, um, we need you to replicate yourself. And parents, if you're out there having kids still, you're maybe, thinking about names. Maybe you could have First Thessalonia and Second Thessalonia. Ooh, Thessalonia, PJ, Corinthia, and then your last name, whatever it is. Not happening. Talk about something that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so smoothly, so smoothly. Hey, Second Corinthians chapter seven uh, reminds me of one of the favorite sermons, one of the best sermons that I've ever heard. Um, Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Um, 
No, this was actually preached by one of our other Compass Bible Church pastors, and this is Compass Bible Church Huntington Beach, Bobby Blakey. Oh, okay. He preached a sermon. I don't know if you remember this one called Everyone Feels Bad About Jesus. You mispronounced my name, but yeah, I do remember that song. Yeah. There <laughs> that sermon. And I've recommended this sermon to multiple people, multiple times, especially in the counseling context, because he did such a good job of differentiating what Paul lays out here between godly grief and worldly grief. And he did it through the case study of Peter and Judas. He said both of them felt bad about their actions towards Jesus during the Passion Week, during the events leading up to the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Judas had worldly grief, which led to his eventual suicide. Peter felt a godly grief that led to this repentance that he's talking about here that then restoration too. bore fruit yeah, right. and his restoration. And so that's, that's probably the, the main thrust of, of chapter 7 here is beginning in verse 9 down through verse 11. He's talking about and really defining what godly grief is. And I think it, what's so notable here is in verse 11, what it, he describes what it does in us. It produces an earnestness. It produces an eagerness to clear ourselves, an indignation towards that sin uh, showing up again in our lives, a fear that we should have that sin present in our lives again, a longing to be completely free from this body of death and a zeal, a passion, a a punishment such that now at every point from this point forward, you're proving yourselves innocent in the matter. In other words, you're not going back like the dog to its vomit to that same sin again. You're going to say, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to prove myself innocent of that sin moving forward. So quick question, clarification yeah. on this, Pastor PJ. Um, in verse 11, uh, there's there's elements that Paul talks to, points to that say, hey, I'm glad that these characteristics are evident in your repentance. That's great. And I think most of them would probably make sense to most of us. But talk to us about punishment. How does that fit in there? He says, what, see what earnestness that this godly grief has yeah. produced in you. And one of those elements is punishment. How does that fit? Yeah, I, I think we might be dealing here with what Paul talks about when he references his disciplining his body. When he says, I discipline my body, I make it my slave, lest after preaching Christ to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's a discipline not in the Catholic uh, mentality of self-flagellation that we're going to somehow you know, participate in the sufferings of Christ by by hurting ourselves, punishing our bodies. But there's a punishment in the sense that, that we are we are restraining our passions, restraining our flesh so that it doesn't break out again in the same fashion and lead us into the same sin. So it's not punishment like we're, yeah, that, that word has a, a, I guess a negative connotation. We, we might think, okay, are we paying for our sins by punishing ourselves? We're not doing that. Right. We're, we're simply trying to restrain the flesh as a result of our repentance. Right. That's how I understand it. Great. That's helpful. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. That's, I mean, there's more here, but that's the main thrust of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 here is dealing with that issue of, uh, of, of how do we handle this, this idea of repentance and what does it look like and what is godly grief versus worldly grief. And here's the thing that I would just encourage you with. I, I think it's, it's hard for us. Sometimes we want to judge other people's repentance and s- sometimes we want to make a judgment call on whether or not this other person is, is genuine in this. And we got to be careful about that because it's it's really ultimately between that person and the Lord. So um, I think our takeaway is this for this is not to go and, and become the fruit police in somebody else's life and say, well, I don't think you're repentant enough. I think this, the, the takeaway for us from this is really for our own hearts and our own lives to make sure that as we repent, we're repenting in a proper fashion. That's right. And real repentance always produces fruit may not be an immediate fruit and in, in suggesting that uh, things aren't going to necessarily change overnight, but it does produce a fruit of of a willingness um, and even a volitional desire to change. So there's going to be elements of a repentance and people should be able to see that real repentance has, has teeth. It looks, it looks, it looks like it shows. Oh like, yeah. It shows. Yeah. Got it. 
Well, hey, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow for another episode, Lord willing, of, you guessed it, the Daily Bible Podcast. You better be there. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.